You're listening to the Happy People Podcast. I'm your host, Knight Armstrong. Today's guest is Dr. Shakira Abdullah. She's a wife, a mother, a doctor, a researcher, and professor. She's a sexologist and a sexual educator for the Muslim Ummah. She does so many different um, sex-positive courses, one which is a talk that teaches parents how to talk to their kids about sexual education. One is cliteracy, and then there's another one which is what that mouth do. And um, she goes into depth of all of these courses and also how you can take them. Fascinating, fascinating conversation. We spoke about um, how being sensual is not just tied to sort of sex, but it's actually sort of like trying to like put yourself in the moment and be mindful. And honestly, it's changed since I had this conversation with her, it's changed my perspective and how I can be in the moment. And um, it's something that I have brought to my therapy sessions and it's been nothing but a positive. So this conversation helped me out and inshallah, I hope it helps you out, all right? Without further ado, here's the episode. Let's connect with happy people. Diving deep on everything. Happy people with Nye Armstrong. So I'm a sex, I'm a sexologist and a sexuality edu- educator. I'm not a sex therapist. Ah, okay. Difference. <laughs> so what's the, what's the difference? Because I'm completely ignorant. Okay. So what that means is, so as a sexologist, I do a lot of research. I study um, sexuality in its entirety in a lot of different um, ways. And then I also, so I use that information that I study and that I researched um, and that I learned and I educate um, primarily the Muslim community with that information. And then with that, I also provide some coaching. So I'm not licensed to do therapy, mm. um, but I do offer some always information, education, always educating folks and always guiding them in different ways. Um, sometimes through coaching sessions, um, sometimes just through my workshops. Gotcha. So what made you get into this as like an interest, like a sexologist, like what was that drive there? It all started. So I have my, I am a doctor of nursing practice. Um, so when I got that degree, you know, we have to do this, this huge study at the end. And um, I was kind of like, I don't know what I want to do. And I met this um, amazing woman. She was doing sex education in a lot of innovative spaces like hair salons and barbershops and churches. And I was like, oh my God, I have to do it in a masjid. And she was like, oh, I'll help you. So she, um, so she, so that was my first study. So that's when I did the sex yeah. education curriculum infused with her and Sana, and I did it at a masjid with girls. Um, mm-hmm. So that was the first one. And then my school at the time had wrote this article about me. I wasn't on social media at all, um, but it kind of went viral on Facebook. So all of these emails from all over the world, believe it or not, were like reaching out to me like, oh, we need this at Amas. So places like, you know, all over the U.S., but even like Australia and the U.K. And it was like, wow. So my professor was like, well, what are you going to do now? And I was like, graduate <laughs> like I don't know so um so that's when I started a nonprofit organization where I provided sex I do sex education for Muslim youth 
Um, and then from that, doing those work workshops, the youth were like, well, I can only talk to you, Dr. Shear. You're the only one who I can talk to you about this, these things. And I can't talk to my parents. And I was like, well, that's a problem. So I was like, so I started doing education um, courses for Muslim parents and how to talk yeah. to their Muslim children about sex. And then my friends who were like single, not married, they were like, you need to do something for us too. Like, you, <laughs> you know, we need stuff too. So that's when I started doing more pleasure focused courses, like yeah. what their mouth do and clitoracy and the whole house expert was born. <laughs> Honestly, like I was literally talking to my best friend my best friends this morning and we were talking about how like sex positivity and islam usually are just like you look at these two entities completely divorced from each other but in actuality when you look up when you read like the text like the sirah and the quran like it's completely sex positive especially yes. from a female perspective Absolutely. Um, yes, the Prophet Muhammad used to emphasize to his companions, like really teaching them, like you need to please your wife. Like this is, you know, the best of you are those who are good to their wives. And he was also focusing on foreplay and mm -hmm. focusing on the importance of pleasing her and understanding that, you know, she should come first or she should have her orgasm first. Um, you know, she takes longer than you. And just really teach it like so many, so much. It's so sex positive. I think a lot of Muslims have adopted the like a European kind of view when during like colonial colonialism that when happened in like the Middle East that we kind of adopted their views when they look at sex like sex as this dirty thing um instead of puritanical yes mm -hmm. and that's not from our religion at all that's not mm -hmm. from us so it's important that we recognize that what does sex positivity mean to you like what is its definition for you for me and for Islam, it's all about um, having a pleasure-fulfilled marriage. So first and foremost, um, sex within Islamic perspective is all about, you know, developing that relationship within a marriage. So, you know, that's the only way that we um, respect it in that aspect. Um, and then building a healthy relationship sexually with each other. So having a pleasure-fulfilled relationship. So identifying what that looks like specifically for you and your spouse and being able to communicate with that with each other um, is important. Yeah. Now, sort of like developing your own sexuality, right? Like, do you feel like boys typically are, they find it on their own <laughs> when, they're, when they just hit puberty, but women usually find like this well not the right term but um this birth of their own sexuality usually in their 20s which is like almost like a decade after boys mm -hmm. how do you how do you teach girls to sort of embrace their their own sexuality at like the right time I guess because and then boys how do you sort of be like all right, <laughs> calm yourself. <laughs> uh, for me, it's, I think it starts with the parents. Like a lot of times um, Muslim children grow up in homes where they, they, they see this double standard between their sons and their daughters. And it's kind of like, that's not a part of our religion either. It's like, you can't, you know, your son's chastity is just as important as your daughter's. And you should, you know, hold both of them are very valuable, especially, you know, 
according to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is important to him. Um, so it's important that we, you know, deal with both children, you know, our sons and our daughters and really, you know, promoting marriage and promoting saving themselves and delaying, um, um, delaying sex until marriage and how they can actually do that while living in a society like America or in the West. Um, so I think it starts there with stopping this double standard and recognizing that Allah blessed you both of these amazing bodies. Like he wants you to have a pleasure fulfilled relationship um, once you get married. You know, you have this, so I love being a sexologist because I always learn something new about our amazing bodies. Like it's so much that we don't, and then we think about this so much that we don't even know. Mm. Um, but, you know, Allah didn't have to create this, you know, these feelings and um, being able to feel good in different ways. Um, all throughout our bodies, um, but he did, and he blessed us with that, and I think it's important for um, us to center that, especially with our children, um, that this is a gift. Yeah, completely. I think, uh, um, I think, like, I was talking, I was talking to my friend, and I was talking about how women are commodified, sort of consumer capitalist culture that we have here in the West, especially women, their sexual education is more of a vessel Mm -hmm. than um, actually being their own, have autonomy over their whole body. Like Mm -hmm. when I went to public school and I was taught, you get your period and when you get your period, you can become pregnant. And it's not like it it wasn't taught like the abstinence sort of thing but it was definitely the onus of the pregnancy was on the woman and when you learn about men's sexual health it was very much like I could I could I could like tell you like every little thing about it because it was more I don't know it was women were a vessel and then men were sort of like the ones that got the um, the more holistic approach to sexual mm-hmm. education, um, and it was and it to me it's like completely backwards, and it completely messes with your foundation of yourself and how you view yourself. Absolutely, it's very shame based, yeah. especially for women because they try to scare. Um, girls into thinking you know you don't want to ever have sex because you know you can get pregnant and in, in turn it has a negative effect on our minds and how we view our worthiness of pleasure and our worthiness of having um you know a fun of a good relationship a good sexual relationship um and yeah I don't agree with that at all I think that we definitely have to switch it to providing both boys and girls with um, a sex positive positive type of education and teaching them that, you know, this is a gift from the law. This is what you're, you know, what you're capable of. This is, you know, especially as they're getting older, teaching them about their clitoris. Like, a law gave you a clitoris. Like, do you know what that means? Like, do you you know that it's only- It's like the one body part (laughs) completely for pleasure. There's no other purpose. So, and a lot of women don't even know that they have one. I don't even know- Mm-hmm. Um, that this is what Allah gave them. So really, yeah. what blew my mind was it wasn't until however old I am this year that I realized the clitoris is not just this thing. It's this thing that goes throughout your entire, mm-hmm. and it's so much bigger than you think. Yes, and it's like connected to all these other spots within your 
reproductive system that's also part of giving you pleasure, like the G spot, the O spot, and then another one, which is up near the cervix or whatever. I went down a deep dive. I was like, what is happening? I didn't know these things about my own body. Like this is yes. insane. And I'm in my thirties. Like this is, this is knowledge I should have had like before I was even yes. remotely even considering marriage anyways. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like it's, it's crazy to me how little women know about their own bodies and sexuality and then how that plays into their interpersonal relationships within marriage. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like they, like they expect to have no knowledge about themselves, but the guy should have knowledge on how to please her. And then mm-hmm. we have like this, this, divorced from expectations versus reality like mm-hmm. women expect it to be a magical situation when they don't even understand themselves and then they get there and it's not anywhere close to being fulfilling yes absolutely and then I, I I've always I've always come across women who say you know they fake orgasms and it's like well why would you do that it's like because you don't see your own pleasure as be, you don't see yourself as being worthy of a pleasure fulfilled experience and it's kind of like now your partner thinks that they gave you this orgasm so they think they're pleasing you your partner wants to please you and you don't even really want to please yourself so a lot of that is really changing that mindset like no you are worthy of pleasure like a lot bless you with these organs like he wants you to experience pleasure so you're doing yourself a disservice by not using your mouth to communicate that in a positive way yeah. So for you, would you recommend, I know this is going to sound weird, but would you recommend like a woman sort of exploring her own body before marriage or wait for that discovery after? Would you see a benefit or anything like that? So here's the thing. There's a way to explore your body without masturbating. So I know that's like a thing. So there's, so you can, cause so you have, cause you have, your clitoris and your vulva is not the only area where you can experience pleasure, right? So you have pleasure areas throughout your bodies. You can start doing little tests to see which of your senses do you like the best, like to make your sexual experience more sensual. So for example, your eyes, are you more, um, does it please you more when you see certain things and see certain visuals? Like when you go to the beach, you like to look at the waves. Is it the smell of the beach? Is it the feeling the sun on your skin? that touch um do you like different foods and not just the taste of different foods but like the different textures in your mouth um so you're exploring yourself and seeing what you like and you can incorporate that into your sexual experience so um, it's, it's sort of like finding not i don't know a different word for the situation but a sensuality in the things that you're already experiencing in yes. a whole way so it's yes. like if i go like you use the example of a beach like i hate sand <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> so maybe 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 not that example but like maybe it's the texture of the sand I don't like or the mm-hmm. or or instead of saying what I don't like what I do like like I like mm-hmm. the smells and mm-hmm. the feeling of the wind and like mm-hmm. those types of things I get you oh that's really great advice yeah so you can do that you can see how different oils feel on your skin like when you and and you can do this to have a pleasurable experience in your everyday life also Mm -hmm. finding doing more things throughout your everyday that you that feels good in those different senses um and that will help you incorporate that into your sexual experience also learning you know you can learn about your body you can and even if you 
explore your body in a way where you're kind of like using different levels of touch and you're kind of feeling different, feeling your body, but not to the point where you're arousing yourself Mm. to the point where you're having like this orgasm. But um, for example, you're washing yourself or taking a shower and you kind of go across the area and it's like, oh, I felt that, like that feels good. Let me just take mm-hmm. a note. Let me, let me take a note of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not telling you to go, you know, I'm masturbating everything, but it is important for you to kind of explore your body just at different times and just see what feels good. It's sort of like um, awareness. Yeah. Awareness and being conscious and mm-hmm. oneness and wholeness of yourself. Mm-hmm. Like yes. knowing yourself inside and out is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, divorce from another person's sort of self-worth. Like that's a whole mm-hmm. other thing. Like yes. the outside looking in on you, like it's just mm-hmm. like can completely like warp and manipulate how you feel about things. So knowing yourself, I think is just amazing. That's real. That's actually like such a great, um advice to give people now if you're a mom of say boys and we're seeing such a mentality around women and sex in the past and now we're waking up to sort of like how sort of toxic that those teachings were mm-hmm. how would you say to approach sort of sort of sex and sexual sexual education specifically towards boys Mm -hmm. because I think I think feminism is very much part of Islam uh and like you said like uh sex positivity is very much part of Islam like how would you sort of apply that to a mother teaching their child especially boys um because how we have been is just really messed up yeah I totally agree um so there's different age-appropriate content but for the older boys, I will recommend to using the Prophet Muhammad was the best example for all of us. And he has a lot of examples where um, he was, for example, he encouraged when he was talking to his companions, he said, you know, do not go into your wives in like an animal. Make sure you have a messenger between the two. And they were like, well, yeah, Rasulullah, like, what's the messenger? And he said, kisses and sweet words. So using that as a way to like a conversation starter and asking your boys especially your older boys like you know what do you think he meant by that or you know having a deeper conversation of what that looks like um sweet words and how to you know compliment your spouse and how to um kind of leak and that verbal aspect of foreplay um and that kindness is important and then there's just like an endless amount of ideas of the Prophet Muhammad so really advising um, his companions about, you know, how to treat their wives and everything um, and how to treat women. So I think a lot of times boys, um, sometimes they indulge into like pornography and pornography has this terrible view towards women and this faultless fantasy type view. And unfortunately, some of our boys kind of use that as their sex education. So they go into marriage with that mindset. And then when their wife is not swinging on the chandeliers or looking like the porn star that he watched, it's kind of like, you know, what's going on? What happened? You know, I thought this is what I was getting into. Um, yeah. So it's important for us to kind of, you know, give them, and then their parents haven't given them any sex education, you know, 
the, you know, usually the masjid or the schools or whatever, they just have very basic knowledge about anything. Mm -hmm. um, so using our religion and using our deen um, as a way to kind of have those conversation starters or use everyday things, sexuality is all around us. So you can use any of that as a teachable moment um, to have a deeper conversation is important. Yeah, like you mentioned, like I was at a wedding, <laughs> I was at a wedding like right before the pandemic and I was talking about how people use porn as um, a sort of sexual education course. And it's mm -hmm. so completely removed from what sex actually is mm -hmm. uh, in a loving relationship, I should say. And I go, the interesting part, and this goes along with sort of like experimenting with your own sensuality before you enter in a halal relationship is when you get into that relationship and you've experienced sort of your own sort of everyday sensuality, like you said, and you go into that relationship with open communication and you do what pleasures you and what pleasures your partner, like that relationship is going to be Mm -hmm. just mind-blowing yes. in comparison to what is actually what we see actually happening mm -hmm. um yeah Absolutely. a lot of couples don't even talk about sex before they get married which is kind of like you definitely should talk about sex um I mean like during the intended um, phase as you're getting to know a suitable spouse um there is definitely having Haya and um not being modest and shyness about it um but it's definitely a conversation that should happen you know towards the end after you're sure like yeah I'm gonna marry this person we have a date set you should definitely talk about sex because in Islam this is the only way that you can really experience this type of relationship with anyone this is the person who you're going to share your body with so it's important that you have that you have a conversation about you know what a healthy sex what a healthy sexual relationship looks like um, different expectations that you may have of each other and kind of just having a PG conversation about it um, is important. Yeah. Um, they had a, what was it? They had a, I was, I took a, a masterclass. They have this sex education masterclass mm -hmm. and, and I was just like, oh, this is really in-depth <laughs> way <laughs> over my head and I, that's when I learned about all the like different things that I had no clue about I would I don't know if I recommend it for everybody especially like younger people definitely not um um because it's definitely from a non-Muslim perspective about mm -hmm. sexual education I will give them that uh but it was it was eye-opening mm -hmm. and I think you're exactly right like I I remember when I entered into marriage with my ex-husband and I expected him to have all my answers. Mm. And when that didn't live up to it, it was just like disappointment after disappointment mm. after disappointment. And then I started to like, that's when I started to do research on my own to try mm. and fix something that was like not fundamentally broken, but it definitely was uh, not going to fix itself. Mm -hmm. And, and things got a little bit better with open communication, but it ended up being once that, once that communication happened, it re I realized that we were not compatible people. Mm -hmm. And so when you're saying about having this conversation before marriage, I think that's mm -hmm. very, very, very important. Yes. And like, 
you can have a conversation about sex in um in an Islamic viewpoint of it without it being shame filled or taboo yes. or haram. Yes. Yeah. Like the amount of shame that you yes. see in people around the subject. Mm-hmm. What have you seen people um, hold on to or completely ignore? A lot of it, um, especially with women. Um, for example, I have um, talked to a lot of women who have um, an issue with vag- um, vaginismic. So they struggle from that. They, they, um, they have this challenge of vaginismic. So when they got married, they had so much anxiety about having sex because they were taught and they grew up with this shameful view of sex that, you know, you never do it. They didn't even have um, a pap smear, like an OBGYN exam, because their mom said that would break their virginity. So this false view of what it means to be a virgin. Um, and some um, some women, I also had youth in my workshop say things like their aunties will be waiting outside the door on the wedding night to make sure that the, the husband broke the hymen and make sure that the sheets have blood on them actually outside the door. So she's like, well, how do I tell them that I don't want them to do that to me? So, you know, so all of this shame, all of this, and they think that it's a part of Islam. So now we have youth who want to leave Islam because they think this is a part of the religion. It's like, that is not a part of our religion. So helping like de- deconstructing that. And then um, also with, so with the vaginismus, pretty much what vaginismus is, it's like, anxiety in your vagina so when you have this so much anxiety towards sex that now it's time for you to finally you know um, lose your virginity you're excited to do that you want to do that with your new spouse and your vaginal muscles kind of clench up so you can't constantly you can't have sex to the point where you, you know as soon as your partner tries to insert his penis your you know everything just kind of shuts down and like tenses up and contracts and you can't um, so you have to kind of go to like a vagina gym, I call it, where it's really pretty much therapy on and coaching on how to relax and how to relax those muscles and really about relaxing your mind. But all of that um, comes from shameful sex education. Yeah, divorcing sort of culture from Islam is, is something that uh, just the amount of things that we put culture and conflate it with Islam is insane to me, uh, especially as a convert. I'm just like, I've never read that. <laughs> and we need like, show me yes. in the Quran, <laughs> show me in the Sunnah where it says this because I don't see it. Uh huh. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. People like us, it's it's. I want to say it's easy, but it's definitely easier than most people to talk about sexual health and that kind of thing. How do you start this sort of like little by little change in the culture around this topic? For me, I start with the Quran and the Sunnah because that, you know, that is what we know. That is what we love. That is what we, you know, we use to get closer to God. So kind of using that um, with people who don't know that sex is, you know, Islam is a sex positive religion or don't believe me or whatever. Um, So I use that as my focal point um and then 
we can have deeper discussions and how sexuality education is not just limited to vaginal penetration. It's all about, you know, how to have healthy, how, how to have healthy communication with other people, how to learn about your body and how Allah gave you this body, um, learning, you know, all these different types of things and how sexuality is a part of being a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, so coming to that realization, helping the community um, under, and see that and understand that is where I can make, you know, small wins and then they get bigger yeah. and bigger. Oh, yeah. It, what I said is like a mountain is made out of pebbles, right? Yeah. You have to start with one, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you're very much geared to sort of the, the root, not of the problems, but the root of the information really comes from when you boil it down to the parents teaching their children. And then anything else after that is just going to be reaffirmed mm-hmm. or contradicted. But if mm-hmm. they have like this foundation of mm-hmm. education, it'll just be built upon. And then they can use the information and be like, oh, no, that's not right. This is right. That's mm-hmm. not right. This is right. So you, you actually run these courses. Yes, I do. Because a lot of the Muslim parents, believe it or not, you know, a lot of us were grew up with no sex education in the home. So it's kind of like, well, my parents didn't talk to me about sex, so I don't really know how to do it. So I'm just not going to do it. You know, I don't really think that's important. They'll learn some way. And it's like, well, that's the problem. You don't want them to just learn from Google or their friends or all these unreliable sources, especially if you want to keep them connected and grounded in their religion um, to help them overcome, they're going to experience peer pressure. They're going to have a lot of challenges and they're not going to know how to really navigate through those things if you haven't taught them. Yeah. I would say like growing up for me, I, my mom, both my parents are like scientist background and um, didn't grow up with religion. So for me, it was like naming the correct terms of our body parts was a Mm -hmm. big thing for them. And, um, my my one time my family is very British so so like the idea of of having like when you were saying like (laughs) having like a sensual experience and feeling your senses in everyday experiences I was like oh that's something I've never thought of (laughs) because that was very much not how like it was it was very much like stiff upper lip and then Mm -hmm. um the education I got, like you said, it's like, like I said before, it's very much women are vessels. And this is, this is like their entire purpose for their mm-hmm. sexual health is learning about their period. And that's it. Yeah. And even about that, there's so many, so much, <laughs> so much misinformation. And, yes. Yeah. Now you teach a webinar, right? Like an online course for anybody to join in. So I teach a lot of different courses. Yeah. Um, but the one that's coming up in particular is called Halal Sex Talks. So it's plural talks with the S at the end, because a lot of parents have this misconception that it's the birds and the bees. This is one conversation when they're like 13, 14, and that's it, I'm done. It's like, no, these are talks that need to happen throughout the child's development. I um, encourage parents to start at three. So for example, I break it down from three to seven, eight to 14, and then 15 to 21. Because uh, of- the seven, the seven, the seven. Yes. Because gotcha. of, you know, that <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Seven yes. to play, seven to teach, and seven to yes. friends. Right. Yes. 
So I use that as my framework, um, as my guide, because it actually coincides with psychologists and these people. And it's just like, you know, we have the best example. Um, so I use that to break down how we educate age appropriate content and how we educate our children based off of that. Um, so yes, yeah, so this is a six week course. So some parents are like, kind of discouraged by that like oh that's too long it's like it's so much information and so much for me to teach you because it's not just what we say it's how we say it how we approach this developmental level um but once the parents who have taken my course love it because it's for the you know their whole lifetime for their whole you know all the you know as their children are growing up they know what to you know what um content they should be teaching, um, how they should be teaching it, what, you know, different things that they should be saying, all the topics and everything, how to take advantage of teachable moments. Teachable moments are how, you know, we come in contact with sexuality all around us. So commercials or a song or a TV show. And, you know, it doesn't have, sex education doesn't have to be this formal, let's sit down at the, at the dinner table and have this conversation or let me bring out my chalkboard it's like no it can be a ride in the car it can be while you're watching a movie oh, my mom had the my mom had that dial on the radio and we'd like every time we heard her turn down the radio we're like oh it's a teachable moment <laughs> so yes taking advantage of those things is, those are going to stick um, those are going to stick and they're going to feel comfortable with you We're coming to you different questions, even if they disguise it as, you know, I have a friend struggling with this. I'm really helping them through those different circumstances um, is, is um, imperative. Yeah. And you said this one starts in October 7th? October 7th. 7th. Um, so it's going to be at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time um, every week for six weeks. Nice. Um, so it's really interactive. Um, parents, I kind of like hold your hand throughout the course. Mm -hmm. um, this is going to be my last live one. After that, I think I am going to record it and it will be like a, a self pace. But the only thing with that is you miss out on being able to ask me questions directly. Yeah. Um, I think with I think with the um, recorded sessions, though, I'll do something like I'll meet with parents like every couple of months or something like that. Like yeah. But yeah, that's the, um, but essentially, yes, we go from ages three all the way to 21 um, and really also teaching parents how to build a better relationship with their children because you can't yeah. just come out of nowhere and start talking to them about, you know, something intimate like sexuality. It's kind of like you have to build to help make sure you build and maintain a healthy relationship with them throughout all these stages as well. Yeah. Now, you also have What That Mouth Do. Mm-hmm. And then what was the other one? Clitor Clitoracy. Clitoracy. And you have those as live webinars as well? Yes. So clitoracy is also going to be, it's offered in September, actually. Um, and that one, I'm going to do another couples edition in November. And then that one is also going to be recorded soon. But what that amounts to will be never recorded. That one... <laughs> But what that mouth to is all about um, foreplay, fellatio, and fun. Um, I love that course. Um, I love all of them, but this one is really, um, I can't record it though, because it's, yeah. I don't really it want to. Wild. It gets <laughs> wild. I bet. I don't I really bet. want it to get out to everywhere because I'm demonstrating. No. 
people in my workshop I have them practicing on cucumbers um so it's really like we don't want that to get out in the world so yeah that yeah, course yeah. I'll offer live probably every three to six months or something like that nice and this and you promote mostly on your website and on your Instagram yes yeah okay so I'm going to put those links in the description as well okay. um now um I, I found I found it really interesting and it's just sort of stuck in my head. But like you grew up with no real sex education. Like how it had to have been a paradigm shift when you sort of took the control, like the steering wheel of this education. Like what was that flip switch for you? And how did your sort of like worldview change once you sort of had the ownness and the um, ownership? over this sort of knowledge? Well, for me, so alhamdulillah, I was born and raised Muslim and my parents wanted to make sure like Quran and Sunnah was like the foundation of my life, but they never talked to me about sex. They never talked to me about boys. By the time I got to high school, it was like all my friends around me were having boyfriends. And it was kind of like, I have to have a boyfriend. Like this is like marriage is like so far, you know, that's when, yeah, when I get older, but I need a boyfriend right now. Like, yeah. <laughs> So um, anyway, fast forward three months, two months after my high school graduation, I found out I was pregnant. So now here I am, this Muslim girl who was born and raised Muslim with Muslim parents are like shocked. Like, how did this happen? Like, we put you in the best schools. They used to send me to Egypt over the summer to really learn, you know, from different sheikahs and sheikhs and, you know, scholars. And it's like, how did it, like, we did our best with you. Like, how did this happen? Yeah. Um, So then- you know, they helped me, they supported me and I became, you know, this nurse and I got my doctorate and everything. But once I learned about, you know, once I built that curriculum and I saw that there were so many girls who were struggling like me, especially who were Muslim and who their parents are not talking to them, having this conversation, I think Allah just really guided me to have these, you know, to, to teach, <laughs> to, to learn. Not only to have this experience, because mm-hmm. Allah put that in your path, right? Yeah. But then to like have that 2020 vision and be like, if I had this information mm-hmm. or I could share this information mm-hmm. in, in a really like amazing way that you're doing, uh, it just can only benefit, right? Yeah, like, yeah, because I didn't, I was never told, you know, um, how, worthy I, how, how, how worthy of marriage I was and how it's not like a punishment against you. Like this really, it's, it's out of a protection for you. And how, you know, God loves you and he wants what's best for you and you deserve an amazing husband, not just a boyfriend who's not, you know, it's going to be short term. Um, I didn't really have that type of education. I didn't really have that, especially from the movies we watch and TV shows and the music we listen to. Like that was never there. It was just mm-hmm. butterflies and flowers and hearts. And, you know, so it was like, I want that. I want that, you know. Um, companionship you know they sold and that's what they sold me to like the society kind of sold me um so I didn't ever you know go to my parents or anyone about these viewpoints I you know was having because it was kind of like I know you know they're going to say it's haram I know it's haram but I need it it was kind of like this is what I need um but I wish yeah I would have had somebody like me growing up yeah now when because you're 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 married now you're in Mm -hmm like from what I saw on social media, a very committed and open and honest relationship. I mean, social media tells us a different thing than yeah. sometimes <laughs> that is reality, but I'm, I'm assuming like you guys have really open conversation and has a, and um, not to get into the nitty gritty, but probably 
a really sort of um, fulfilling mm-hmm. private life. Yes, absolutely. And this came and this came after you had this education unto yourself or yes so I got married four years ago I started when I did my study my doctoral study that was about six years ago so when I met him I had started my nonprofit organization I was kind of telling him oh this is what I want to do um so he was excited and he was really like wow that's great and then he knew my you know my life story my you know my son who was 12 now um so um so yeah he was like oh that's great and then it was really starting to like kick off and everything um so yeah so he he came after that and he actually helped me with different workshops especially with the that I do with the youth because I think it's important for them to see you know a male educator as well up there with me oh oh awesome so you're like like he's a partner in this sort of Mm -hmm. mission then oh that's amazing have you seen a difference with your son in sort of your approach to this type of education like his mentality I I bet it's completely different than like his peers yes and for him believe it or not he's he used to be very embarrassed very embarrassed about me talking about it or talking to like his friends parents or talking to it's like oh here she go like it's like (laughs) I love it. How you do it so much that he's like, and then I think, I don't know if one of his friends told him that what I was doing was a dirty thing, was like a bad thing, that I'm a bad person. Um, talking about sex is a bad thing. So I don't know. He, he won't tell me who said it, but I'm, I don't know if it was someone from the mass shade or somebody in school so he asked you know what um why do you do this like is this you know are you getting sins because you're talking about sex and then having a deeper conversation about you know this is something that law created this is something that should happen between you know husband and wife and teaching him more you know about his body like who do you think gave you this body and different is having deeper conversations because he had in his mindset like you, you know, you're talking about this, but the, like, like, for example, um, if he was in trouble and we were like discussing an issue that he's like, well, you talk about body parts. It's like, wait a minute, wait, like, we need to have a conversation because this well, is not. The fact that he came and asked you that question speaks volumes mm-hmm. instead of him just internalizing, oh, my mom does a bad thing and she's sinning. Mm-hmm. Instead, mm-hmm. the fact that he felt like he was he could come to you and ask you this very blunt question mm-hmm. and you're just as receptive and probably as supportive as any other question mm-hmm. he would ask you. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. It just breeds a no shame um, situation, which mm-hmm. good Lord. the amount of shame, the amount of shame I've dealt with <laughs> that I'm yeah, like, why absolutely. do I hold on to this shit? Sorry. No. But it's like completely <laughs> our younger kids so like some parents come at me they attack me and say you know why would I start at three and it's just like like you said teaching them the proper names of their private parts is huge especially when you talk about preventing abuse like sexual uh, abuse is a huge thing and it's not most of the time it's not like the creepy guy in the, in the bushes it's like one of your family members someone who's close to you someone who you would never think another child so when we breathe this shame um, towards sex education then your children are going to be afraid to say anything and then it's going to yeah. you know definitely harm them in so many different ways as they grow up because they didn't feel comfortable enough to come to you or another trusted adult 
Yeah, they had, um, I was talking to another friend and I was talking about how, if you're basically, if you're my friend, I talk about this stuff all the time. (laughs) It's nice nice to talk about outside my circle, but um, how um, when you're taught to have ownership over your body and ownership over sort of your own sexual education, Mm -hmm. you end up setting up very good boundaries for yourself and other people. Yes. And when you have that ownership and you set up those boundaries, you can see these red flags from a mile away. Mm-hmm. And you can see people who, like sadly, I was a victim of sexual assault and rape. Mm-hmm. And when that happened, looking back, like that 2020 situation, I'm like, that was such a red flag. That was such a red flag. Mm-hmm. That was such a red flag. But mm-hmm. if I had... Um, and how I acted in the moment, I felt betrayed by my own mind Mm. when I'm like, oh, I'm just like this forceful personality. If I was in this sort of like SVU situation, uh, sexual victims unit that you see Mm. on like law and order, I'm going to, I'm going to come out with you with that did not happen. Mm. And, um, and so I feel like if I had, uh, a better understanding of mm-hmm. my own boundaries and my own sort of like ownership over my own body instead of like these internalized, not self-worth, um, but what would be another term for that? Uh, like the opposite of like having self-worth. What would mm-hmm. that be? I can't think of the word. Um... Internalized misogyny? <laughs> maybe I don't know but I I can't I can't can't think of the I can't think of the correct thing but if I had a different sort of like viewpoint I would have never let the thing that happened to me happen to me Mm -hmm. and and if you had this as a small child like and have that as your base Mm -hmm. and you set up those boundaries then nobody Mm -hmm. can cross them for you Mm -hmm. like you said Mm -hmm. the right terms the right knowledge knowing that this should be only experienced in a safe and loving place. Yeah. And yeah. knowing that and knowing the information because, you know, pedophiles are adults most of the time, or it can be other, older children. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it, and if it does happen for them to know that this is not your fault, this is, you know, you can come to me and all of those basic things. So that when the perpetrator uses, you know, try to play mind games, like, um, you know, if you tell I'm going to hurt you, I'm going to hurt your whole family. Uh, no one's going to believe you or um, you deserve this or like mm-hmm. you know what I mean using psychology to keep them yes. silent yes so they already know like you know you can come to me about anything I'm going to believe you mm-hmm. I trust you I love you and if you know this happens this was never your fault this is not your fault you know I'm going to take care of it yeah it's crazy how much like uh, and then I was talking again in this conversation this morning about how sort of like the media, um, it's like a cyclical cycle. We're taught this one way in school and in society of how men and women should interact. And then we see it replicated on the big screen. And then that only just sort of intensifies like this whole thing. But if we break that cycle and teach people correctly how to have ownership over their bodies, their own sexual health, and how to have it in a committed and loving relationship, then 
everything that they see in the outside world is just going to be like, no, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I agree. Yay. I feel like <laughs> I have a new friend. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I love friends. I love people. <laughs> and I feel like I'm like, oh, another person I could talk to some about, <laughs> like about, <laughs> like, cause I talk about this stuff all the time and mm-hmm. I really don't feel like it should be divorced away from Islam or from the masjid in general, like these classes should be taught. Like we had one by Sheikh Abdullah Doro and he does um, the male to man. Mm. And um, he teaches sort of like the foundational stuff, but I think this should be like, everyone should take this class, like a class like this. And so I'm gonna promote, I'm definitely gonna promote this and inshallah, um, like all my friends, I'm gonna tell them to all take it. yeah especially if they have children absolutely yeah most definitely well thank you so much for your time um thank you for having me maybe i'll bring you back when i have more like uh we can go more in depth (laughs) i love that yeah you you pick a sexuality topic let me know and we can go in (laughs) yeah you can teach me all the cool things (laughs) (laughs) all right well thank you so much um and i hope to talk to you soon Yes. Yay.